Have you ever wondered why exactly it is that things usually sound better at home than they do on stage, in auditions, or even in lessons? It's easy to chalk it up to nerves or assume that you just have to practice more or get more performance experience. And sure, those things certainly are part of the puzzle, but a lot of times that's not really the true root cause. If you've been confused by the inconsistency of your performances, I put together a free four-minute quiz called the Mental Skills Audit, which will help you pinpoint your mental strengths and weaknesses and figure out what exactly to adjust and tweak in your preparation for more consistently optimal performances. You can take the Mental Skills Audit online at bulletproofmusician.com MSA. That's MSA for Mental Skills Audit. And again, it's 100% free, and it'll take just four minutes to get your results emailed to you as a PDF. This is Noah Kageyama, and you're listening to the Bulletproof Musician Podcast. Every Sunday morning, we'll take a look at a new research-based tip or technique to help you practice more effectively or perform better under pressure. And on the first Sunday of every month, I'll have a guest from the music, sport, or research world who will share their insights on how we can all be a little more awesome in the practice room and on stage. One of my advisors in grad school regularly reminded us that whether it was our dissertation or our work with clients, taking the time to fully understand and accurately define the nature of the problems we were presented with was critically important. He would say that if you misdiagnose the problem, you're probably going to misdiagnose the solution too. I think the same could be said of practicing. Like, if you think the notes in a left-hand pizzicato passage aren't speaking because of a finger strength problem, you'll come up with a different set of solutions than if you think the problem is related to leverage or timing. Of course, becoming a house MD level diagnostician is not so easy. And this is of course why a teacher or colleague's eyes, ears, and objective impartial perspective can be so helpful. But as we discovered last week, we are actually a lot more capable of accurately assessing our own performances than we might think. At least we are when we're single tasking. That is to say, simultaneously wearing both our performer hat and diagnostician hat while playing makes us kind of subpar at both, whereas video analysis frees up the cognitive and attentional resources we need to evaluate our playing more accurately. And sure, accuracy sounds like a good thing, but at the end of the day, does all of this translate into practicing more effectively and playing our instruments better? A team of researchers in a 1998 study recruited six collegiate tennis players to see if integrating video analysis into their practice would help them improve more than normal practice would. They selected a specific skill to work on that all of the players agreed was a weakness in their game. And then, twice a week, for four weeks, the players spent about 15 to 20 minutes drilling this shot during practice, hitting a total of 30 shots during each session. The players were divided into three pairs. One pair did four practice sessions without video to establish a baseline of performance and learning, and then four practice sessions with video to see if there was an additional benefit to using video analysis. The second pair did six sessions without video and then two sessions with video. And the final pair, as a control group, did all eight practice sessions with no video. The video analysis sessions took place on the day following practice sessions. The players weren't given any feedback from coaches about technique or mechanics. They were simply asked to describe what they noticed and what they were thinking as they watched the film. 
with questions like, what do you see? And what are you thinking? So did video have any effect on their learning and performance? Well, I'll preface this by saying that it's a really small sample of data, so we should take this with a grain of salt. But yes, the players who used video analysis did seem to improve and hit a greater percentage of their shots into the target zones after video was integrated into practice. During their first set of practice sessions, before introducing video analysis into the process, the players hit an average of 42% of their shots into the target zones in the corners. After they began to analyze video of the previous day's practice, their average went up to about 58%. The players in the control group, on the other hand, who never saw video of themselves, continued to average about 44% throughout. Not only did players' shot-making accuracy improve, but video seemed to qualitatively change their approach to practice itself. The researchers described four stages that the athletes seemed to go through in the course of analyzing video. Stage one involved getting used to seeing themselves. During the first session, which lasted for about the first 10 shots or so, the athletes mostly just reported noticing general tendencies, not necessarily even related to the skill that they were focused on. Like, my forehand grip is so weird, or I can't believe how straight up I am. Coach always tells me I don't bend my knees enough. Stage two was an error detection phase. By the end of the first session, the players began to notice not just general tendencies, but specific technical issues related to the skill they were trying to improve. Like, my feet were everywhere on that one, or I'm coming up too soon. The identification of these specific technical issues then seemed to help shape or inform their next practice session, with observations like, I need to, like, go after the ball more, not let it drop so much. Stage three involved making connections and recognizing tendencies. So after getting back onto the court to experiment with the insights gleaned from their first video session, they returned for a second video session. This time, their analysis was even more detailed, and they were able to make cause and effect connections between their technique and results on the court. Like, you see, that time I stayed down, kept my knees bent, or those shots went wide because I'm hitting with my hand way out to the side. They also began to pick up on more of their tendencies, like having more success hitting down the line than cross court, or noticing that shots were landing short because of excessive topspin. Stage four involved correcting errors and reaching closure. Only three of the players actually got to the fourth stage, but those that did appeared to reach a point where they were able to pinpoint the key ingredients necessary to hit the shot more accurately on a consistent basis. Like, what I need to do on this shot is not get too close to the ball and hit it flat. Or, moving my feet, getting ready early, and not opening up too early. So what are we to do with all of this? For me, the main takeaway from this study is not just that video analysis can help with diagnosing the cause of accuracy or consistency issues and identifying solutions, but that this process occurs over time. That it's not just about watching video and having an immediate aha moment, but a more organic process of seeing something on video, taking that observation into the practice room to experiment with, watching video again to see what may have changed, taking some deeper discoveries and insights into the practice room again, and continuing this process until you find something that works, coming away with not only a deeper understanding of the underlying mechanics of the skill, but improved accuracy and consistency also. 
Okay, so do we really need to record video all the time, or can audio work as well? Well, audio is certainly way better than nothing. And in talking to some musicians who do use video, my sense is that even they use audio more on a day-to-day -day basis, but they do like how video, especially our phone's slow motion video capabilities, enables them to see what's going on and more effectively pinpoint the mechanical cause of complex problems that may not be discernible by feel alone, or even discover new techniques that can help them get past a limitation or plateau that they've been stuck on. Okay, let's say you're intrigued and sort of curious to give video recording a try. What's the best way to record video? Well, the easiest way is to just prop up your phone on a stand and press record. The audio quality may not be amazing, but when you're trying to build a new habit, easier is often better. If you really want to get better audio, I think you can, but that requires a little more finagling. So even if you love geeking out about audio and video technology, I still think sticking with your phone is the way to go. You can find links to this week's study and other resources like practice hacks and the audition cheat sheet at bulletproofmusician.com blog. And if you found the episode helpful, please share it with a friend or practice buddy who you think might also enjoy experimenting with this during the coming week. 